Hello and welcome to the Herbicane Podcast. My name is Simon Osmo and I'm a former UK police detective turned entrepreneur and mindset coach. And on this podcast, I talk with impactful individuals from around the world who have navigated a life pivot, found themselves for a self-discovery to find that thing that we've all been looking for, a happy and fulfilled life. So the excuses are over, my friend. It's time to change our thinking so that we can change our lives and come join me as we dive into this week's conversation to learn how they became who they became. Hey friend, welcome back to the Ubercane Podcast. This is episode 53. My name is Simon Osmo and I'm so glad that you are here and that you join me each week on these personal journeys. Now today's guest is Raven Harris. Now I first met Raven on the social audio app Clubhouse when she was talking about activating her dream. Now Raven is a coach, a mentor and she once put her own dreams on hold for over 20 years to be a child actress due to the outside influences around her life. So this is action packed with encouragement for you to live out your own dream and find that thing that we've all been looking for, a happy and fulfilled life. So today's action step, if this episode speaks with you in any way, please share it with someone in your circle of influence to give them hope, to inspire them to take action on their dreams. So without further ado, let's just dive into this week's episode, episode 53 with my guest, Raven Harris. Well, Raven Harris, welcome to Became Podcast. Thank you for having me. And I'm really excited to talk to you. I know we got to know each other through Clubhouse. We've done a couple of rooms together. And you just have so much information and wisdom that you're going to share with my listeners. So I'm really excited for you to join here. And I want you to tell my listeners a little bit about who you are. But I know that you're a coach, you're a podcast host of Reset with Raven, you're a speaker, and you work with professionals to identify their purpose and increase their income. So two things that I know most people are looking to do. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes. So I am originally from Southwest Georgia, and I like to describe myself as someone who's always had massive dreams, but along the way, life, obstacles, self-doubt, rejection really threw me off track. And up until recently, I was off track for a long time and I was just going through the motion. And it took 2020, as I call it, my wake up call to really make me think about what's important, why it's important, and really discover what my or rediscover what my values were and to make alignment, make decisions that are in alignment with my values and to really pursue my own dreams. So that's why I love to call myself like the dream activator, because I activated my own dreams and really helping other people activate their dreams. Yeah, and that's a great title. I do like it. The Dream Activator is good. It really is good. And so one of the things, I want to dive straight into some conversation. One of the things that I read on your website and knew anyway about you is that you say that you suppressed your dreams for 20 years. There's a couple of things. One, I was looking, thinking Raven doesn't look old enough to suppress their dreams for 20 years. This must have happened very, very young. So I'll start with a compliment there. And then the second thing is I'd love to get your understanding as to what was making you suppress those dreams and why it took you so long to to act. So do you mind sharing a little bit about that chapter in your life? Sure. So 
when I was younger, I've always loved theater. I've always loved performing, acting. Uh, I just felt like it gave me the opportunity to really have some self-expression. And I competed in different uh, oratorical speaking contests. I would do all types of um, community theater, state theater. Um, I competed and ranked in the world competition of Odyssey of the Mind because I just love to perform. And I thought that I was going to start my, my life by being like a child actress. And along the way of auditioning and didn't have the connections. Now I see those things as more excuses. But at, those, at the time, it was real to me. Didn't have the exposure, um, faced a lot of rejection, and had outside forces, whether it be family members, peers, community members, thinking like, well, who do you think you are to you know, move out to LA and to be a child actress? I always wanted to be on the Disney Channel um, or Nickelodeon Channel. And I allowed what I consider now is just negative chatter. Some of that became internal negative self-chatter to really uh, take me off track and, and, and give up on that dream of being a child actress. And so the, you know, your love and desire of acting, I didn't know that about you. So that's interesting. I didn't find any of that in your background. So you've been involved in acting for a long time. Do you, do you still um, act now? I'm not doing any acting now. Um, I did start getting back into acting when I was in graduate school. Um, and it's something that is definitely on my radar um, in terms of just in my community, starting, starting back there to do some community theater as things continue to hopefully open back up and we have some more live audiences. Yeah. And so that 20 years then as being, you know, uh, a child involved in acting you sort of suppressed it because you listened to people that were perhaps what had limiting beliefs about your own ability or their own limiting beliefs, believing that it's not possible for a child to break into Hollywood, into acting. What do you think was sort of driving their sort of negativity or understanding, which was then sort of manifesting itself in, into, into you? Because it sounds like it was the adults around you might have had insecurities or self-doubt of your ability, not necessarily in yourself. It just sort of pushed onto you, manifested um, in a way into your life. I think oftentimes when people have their own limiting beliefs, they can project them onto others. And to add some context, I'm from a very small rural town. Um, when I graduated from high school, my high school was on the national needs improvement list. So um, the education here is limited. Um, the poverty line is a lot. Our entire school system, the students eat free lunch every day because of the poverty in the community. So I think when people can't see beyond what they've been exposed to or this is all they know, the thinking is limited. So it's like, well, who are you to you know, go outside of the box. Who are you? No, no, we don't know anyone else that has done this. So I think oftentimes when you have an environment with limited thinking and negativity and poverty, that can really start to seep inside of you. So what I was exposed to, what I saw, what I could see, right, as possible, it became very minimal for the, for example, it's like, oh, it's like a, it's a dream. It's a dream because it's only something you can see on TV. I don't know anyone who's a, a famous actress. 
So when you don't know anyone like that, it's often easy to be like, well, how could that be me? With now, I think like, well, why not you? Why can't you be the first? But at the time when you're younger and you don't have the influences, the great, the positive influences and the exposure to certain things, it can really, it can affect you. It can affect your mindset and it can affect even what you believe to be possible. Yeah. And that is um, absolutely true. And interestingly, I went to a theme park this past weekend with my uh, family and, um, you know, I'm not a big fan of rides. Um, I would go on them if people ask. Um, But my wife said to me, she said, Simon, stop projecting your fear, you know, onto my two sons. And she said, you know, you're projecting your fear onto them. Um, And I was like, am I really? And I was sort of trying to make excuses or justify how they might've been feeling because I was apprehensive about going on this wild thing ride that was going to move us around and stuff, you know, and it was, I did reflect a little bit, you know, and thinking, well, yeah, maybe that's exactly what I am doing. It's I'm the one that is in fear of this ride. And I'm sort of pushing that onto my sons, making them fearful, you know, so it's, I think it's something that we, we all do. And it's interesting, you know, tying a bit what you said into scriptures, well, being a sort of a faith followers, but, you know, we are often asked to believe in things that we can't see. Uh, and I sort of tie into that as well. You mentioned in your community being very sort of humble, um, you know, sort of not having the some of the luxuries that other states and towns do is that that is very much tied in. If that's all we've known, it is asked to, it is hard to believe in things that we can't see because that has become our life and our, our reality. So interesting. So, but tell us, so how, what, what do you do now? So I know you're a coach. Tell us about some of the things that you do. And I want to then dive into how you found your purpose. Yes. So, Back to suppressing my dreams and, and, and finding really what are your values? What makes you, you know, come alive or what fills your cup? I realized it was helping other people arrive at their dreams. It's one of those things that I realized that oftentimes we are pulled to do something that upsets us. It's like, I find that this is a problem in the world that, and I want to be, you know, be the, be the change you want to see. So right now I am partnering with young adults, I'm partnering with colleges, so so grateful to be partnering with colleges right now to help the young adults in those, in those school systems and in those higher education um, really set the students up to succeed, set the students up to excel and also to explore. I think being in college is one of the most amazing times in your life, but Oftentimes people are getting derailed, um, deferred, dreams deferred, ideas deferred. And also too, when the, the biggest thing I think right now for college students is that going to school during a pandemic, what does that look like? How do you have your, your own reset in the collegiate system? How do you have, um, how do you build community in these times? So really making sure that students feel that they are supported and that they can, there, there are no limitations, right? These four years, if you want to try this, if you want to try that, you can. And here's the pathway to success. Like college was incredibly hard for me. Uh, as I said, my school um, was not a high performing school. So when I went to college, I was completely unprepared. So helping these students realize, you know what, it doesn't matter that you came in maybe unprepared or not with um, the best foundation, we're going to make sure that you still succeed. We're going to make sure that what you do and what the, the, the roles that you find post-college are still fulfilling. 
I believe that one of the reasons people go to jobs every day that they dislike or they are going through the motion is because they're not doing things that they find purposeful and fulfilling and that really fill their cup. And I believe when you're doing what you were born to do, when you're doing something that is um, in alignment with your purpose, you can't help but excel. You can't help but just feel like a, an energy, um, a, a rush when you're doing great things. And I want to help with that foundation for students while they're in the um, college atmosphere. And it's great that you ended there when you said foundation, because I think in life we often get confused that, you know, and I mean, you say, you know, don't compare your chapter sort of one against someone else's chapter 10. You know, we don't want to do quite often, not everyone. There's a lot of steps and hard work in between, isn't there? And I think having someone give you that foundation, the experience, the skills and understanding of college or school really helps people find their purpose. You know, you do have to often bring out your purpose in others and stuff. Yeah. So what, what do you see um, as a commonality in some of these kids then? Is it they need someone to offer them guidance for someone to have faith in them? What do you see that some of these kids in the modern world are lacking then in finding out who they are really in their purpose? It's definitely um, guidance. Uh, another thing would be for some of the minority students, is feeling invisible, that no one understands, no one gets me, no one is rooting for me. So what does it matter? Um, I'm, when I'm connecting with students, especially if they're first generation um, or they're a minority student, there is sometimes a lack of faith in self. So I like to say that my role is to stand in the gap for people that their dreams have been deferred, their dreams have been disrupted, they feel forgotten, they feel rejected because that was me. So standing in the gap for these students that need someone to like, hey, we're, we're here for you. We, you. We're here to support you. And here are all of the resources that are available for you. I think for me, if I had to go back to, to my own story, there were, there were ways, there were ways to overcome those obstacles. There, there were ways to still become an actress. There are ways to succeed in college, despite all of the things that are working against you, right? I, I heard a quote the other day, there's so many forces working against you. Don't be one of them. Don't work against yourself. And that is what um, the messaging that I really um, seek to to share with students. There's so many different things. You know, life. You know, life has its hills and valleys. Let's make sure that we put our best foot forward um, when we're in college and when we are working on our personal and professional development. Don't be the force working against yourself. That is a very true comment. We are often our own worst enemies in so many things. But so, how did you? So, would you say that this is your purpose right now? What would you? What would you say if I asked you the question, Raven? What is your purpose? I would say that my purpose is to stand in the gap for people who have lost hope, feel forgotten, and need someone to see it in them before they see it in themselves, whatever that it is. Uh, I believe that is my superpower. I see the greatness in people. And when you are experiencing adversity, when you are experiencing disappointment, setbacks, 
sometimes you lose that that faith in yourself. And I'm the person to, to remind you. I, I like to call it like, look, let me remind you of how great you are because there are days, and I have them myself, where it's like, what am I doing? Or my, my confidence is shaken or my, you know, it's, it's wavering. I love to say that, you know, it's, it's good to have unwavering faith, but there's, if we're honest with ourselves, there's some days you're like, really, this happened to me? Or is this how this is supposed to work out? So being the person to stand in the gap for people when it's not, it's not one of their best days, it's not one of their best moments. And They've lost some of that, that, that footing, that, that grounding of like, no, actually, I'm pretty great. I'm excellent. I'm grand. And reminding people of that when, when, when times are tough. No, I love that. I love that. And I read on your website about, and I know you used to work in healthcare before you came a coach and these other things. And I think you mentioned earlier about just ripping that Band-Aid off. Um, so, so what does it look like? So if there is a listener and you've, used, you've, you've held a lot, you might not have realized it, but there's a lot of accountabilities to what you're saying from people about putting their dreams on hold. I was like, oh, it's like a dagger in my heart thinking, is there, is there any dream that I'm putting on hold? But what did that look like then when you are you know, an executive within healthcare and you said, I'm going to pursue something else? Because that's a, a challenge that we have either with a purpose or with a dream, that there can be things standing in their way, often realities of work of finances, of other commitments. So do you mind sharing your journey then from being a, an executive in healthcare to say, I'm going to go and pursue something different and, and change my course of life? Because it's a brave step to do. And a lot of people are most probably um, in that position. So I'd love your, uh, love your insight there, Raven. Yes. Yeah, so I was working in a critical illness recovery hospital, and a lot of our patients were terminal. We saw the second highest acuity of patients in the country when I was there. And being amongst patients who their entire lives had been turned upside down, now they're paralyzed, now they're on a ventilator, um, they've lost limbs. It was a reminder to me that, you know, you hear the phrase, oh, life is short, YOLO, all, all of these colloquialisms that we hear all the time. But it, it, for the first time for me, it was, it stared me in the face. It, it, it almost like, I feel like it put me at a crossroads and it showed me the reality of that. And I felt a tug that I've never felt before. Like it's, it's now or never, like this is your moment. Don't miss the moment. You've missed, you've missed several other moments. Don't miss this moment. And when you are around um, a lot of patients who are end of life, you start thinking about your own mortality. You, and then also, too, over the past um, year, and the news is all talking about, you know, death and, um, and the pandemic and sadness. And, and then you're in a, in a healthcare environment. I really started to think about my own life. And Raven, what are you doing with it? Is this the vision? Is this, again, as you asked Simon, you know, are, are you living out your purpose? Is this your purpose? And I heard a clear no. I've never heard anything so clear. Like, this isn't it. And what are you going to do? And it was, I like to call it, um, I heard Stephen Furtick say one time, 50-50 faith. 50% faith, like I know for sure I need to leave. And the other 50%, 
I know for sure I am scared out of my mind. I've never, ever left a job role without having a next. You don't do that. It's like, okay, well, after you leave this job, here's the next one you start next Monday or, you know, whatever. Maybe you take a two-week break or sabbatical in between, but I've never done anything like that. Never had a leap of faith like that. And it was scary. It was unnerving, but I knew I had to do it. I knew the time was now. So I moved back home, moved back home to Southwest Georgia with my family as I figured out what my next was. And Simon, I think you and I talked about this a a bit offline. I, I didn't realize it, but initially I had an identity crisis about it. Like I, my t- past 10 years, I built my healthcare career. Who am I outside of that? Um, I had a C letter uh, w- that went with my name for the C-suite. So I'm feeling like, oh, I'm pretty, you know, I've done, I've been pretty successful. So who am I now without this title? Who am I now without being in this industry? And that was, that was huge for me for months and months and months. I was taking my past into my future. I was taking my past into my now. And, it, and I didn't realize it was almost like grieving a lost identity. And that was the biggest, biggest challenge for me until I realized you didn't lose it. You were there for that time and you impacted lives. This is just a, a new chapter. And... Oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was going to say, yeah, sorry. And, and I heard in there um, sacrifice as well. So there's a, there's a lot of um, bravery, isn't there, to, you know, to rip that bandaid off and say, this isn't what I want to be doing. There's trying to find your purpose and find fulfillment. I think that's a strong thing that came to me is, you know, you weren't feeling fulfilled. But it was also sacrifice for you actually about to move back home. You know, sometimes there's got to be a give as well. I mean, we want that, that old saying, I know you like these things, like, you know, you've got the cake and eat it. It's like, well, you can't have both, you know? So it did come with some sacrifice in, in your decision. So yeah, I'm, I'm assuming now, Raven, no regrets. No regrets. And, and, and it'll, what's been interesting too, um, to see my own, uh, I guess you could call it like evolution, is that since then there have been job opportunities that have been offered to me. Um, with much more income. And because I am anchored in knowing that that's not the path that I'm on, that I've been able to easily say no. And, oh, go ahead. No, no, you go. No, I don't want to keep interrupting you. You go, yeah. You've, no, you've random thoughts are buzzing in my head. I'm very excited by this. I'm I was going to say that the interesting thing um, in, in terms of navigating and finding new pathways is that some other opportunities are opening with some of these companies where, no, I won't be working for you, but I may be working with you and alongside you. So that's been uh, amazing, amazing and doing some consulting um, work. But now that I am more anchored in what my values are, it's a very easy no versus what I told you about a year ago when I was resigning from that role, that wasn't an easy no. I knew I had to go, but it wasn't an easy no. And the question that was buzzing around in my head, I, was, I should have written it down. I was, I was talking out loud. That's why I spoke to you. So my apologies for that. Well, it was a question of, you know, you went from C-suite, comfortable, you know, 401k for my English listeners, you know, like pension type stuff, um, you know, regular paycheck coming in. And what you really turned into was an entrepreneur and, and t- wanting to take an idea and turn that into a business. So I guess I want to just quickly get some um, 
um, information from you there as to what was that transition like then? Because that's also big. It wasn't so much a self-pivot into a new industry. It was also a self-pivot into becoming a full-time entrepreneur. Uh, what have you learned about your journey the last few years? Oh, wow. Hmm. I'm trying to think about where to start. That, that employee to entrepreneurship mindset shift is like, for me, it's been like night and day. And we, we talked about confidence and courage. One of the things I realized too is that it was so easily easy for me to work in an environment where I you know, talked about our quality, um, our great patient care, the excellence that you know, this hospital um, has. However, when it was the transition for me being the face, and me being able to speak of my qualities, my expertise, I noticed that, oh, Raven, you uh, seem to you seem to not be as uh, expressive about that. You seem to not uh, own that. And th- those are things I realized in terms of a confidence level. It's different when you are, you know, you're working for a, a major Fortune 100 company versus when you are the face. It's like, oh, well, if there's rejection, if someone chooses not to work with you or what have you, it it feels personal because it's my name, it's my brand, it's my business. And that transformation of employee to entrepreneur has been, oh, wow, quite the journey. Again, I mentioned hills and valleys, lots of hills and valleys from an emotional standpoint, from a mindset standpoint even understanding the the financials, it's completely different. Lots and lots of growing pains, a lot of growing pains. And if anything, I've realized the importance of community, the importance of having people in your network that you can call and say, hey, what do you think about this? How should I do that? Um, I've leaned on my network more ever as well as personal and professional development. Um, and investing myself in coaching. Well, so it sounds like you've had a lot of things going on. So, um, you know, some great learning there as well. And I think you do have to, it's one of the things I've often made a mistake of is trying to do so many things on my own. And it's only recently I've started to either offshore or get other consultants and people to come in and just take those tasks away from me, but don't necessarily drive some of my businesses and ventures forward. Um, you know, have other people do those and focus on being the face and, and, and building. So yeah, you can get distracted with an entrepreneur. So let's go back being onto the dreams for a moment. So I've got, I'm going to, shouldn't really give multi-questions, but I'm going to give you a multi-question. I guess the first is, what is Raven Harris's dream? And then the second is, how should people be dreaming? Mm. So one of my many dreams is to have a, going to be like a retreat, a retreat in terms of personal development. For people who need, the, the name of my podcast is, starts with the word reset. So to have a reset, and that reset happens twice a year. And it's where people are able to calm the mind, calm the thoughts, um, think about their health. And when I think of health, I think of your financial health, your physical health, your mental health, your emotional health. So basically, one of my dreams is to create a retreat that happens at least twice a year. And it's a reset retreat where we focus on all things health. Well, okay, good. And the second one, I remind you, I gave you a multi-part question, but and what should people be dreaming in? Because we all say 
dream big, but what should people be dreaming for? So the way I believe dreams work, we were already given the dreams. We were already given the vision. So it's not that people need to dream something different. It's already there. It's that they need to activate the dream. They need to go after that dream. And it's something that I already believe it's inside of people. And it's almost like you've heard the phrase, life leaves clues. If you're paying attention, life leaves clues. If you're, if you're listening and if you're watching, the dream is already there. It's actually going after the dream and executing on the dream at the biggest, massive, the way you see it at the biggest, massive way possible. Um, I think so many times we dream small, think small, operate small, live small. So the dream is already there. And how can I execute that dream at the, the highest uh, level possible? And so let's get some of your secret sauce in, Raven, because I know that you help people activate their dreams. So what are some things, if I've got a dream and I'm coming to you, uh, what are some things that you advise people to do to put um, stepping stones, goals, whatever it is to, to get to that dream? Maybe maybe share some of the secret sauce that you, that you give people. There's some, well, what, what, some free what, coaching in my list of some free coaching. One secret sauce, I don't know if it's a secret now that we're talking about it, is this is something very simple. And I ask clients to do this for two weeks. You make a list of all of the things you enjoy. And then on the other side of the list, you make a list of all the things you don't enjoy. And the biggest thing is don't judge either side. So if it's taking your family to the theme park, add that to the list. If it's, I've noticed for me, there's certain things that give me like an adverse reaction. So add that to the list of things that you just really don't enjoy, like things that are for me out of order, like chaos. That just gives me a total adverse reaction. So writing those things um, down and you have those lists and don't judge them. And then after the two week period, take a look back at, see if you see any patterns, see because I believe that we naturally have things that we are already drawn to. We already have, again, we already have the dream. We already have things that pull at our heart, tug at us. And that we are just actually, the biggest thing I realized too, there are things that you are gifted at that you just take for granted because it requires minimal to, to no effort from you. Whereas someone else it may require like studying, practicing, um, sweaty palms, all the whole nine yards, sweaty nose, and they still be like eh, mediocre at it. So it's just recognizing things that you just already enjoy. You already just feel like it just flows. You do it with such ease. And then things that you absolutely dislike. And then after the two weeks, look at each list to see what are the patterns? What am I noticing? So that's one of the things that I work with people on. Good. Yeah, some great insight. I have to go and do that um, this weekend and, and have a have a look down for, for sure. I think most of my dreams have drifted away over the years, so I need to go back to writing them. So I'll definitely, definitely do that. I guess as we look to start to wrap up, Raven, it's been really great to get to know you better, learn a bit about your journey that you've sort of shared with my, my listeners and, and to where you are now. And I think when we look at, you know, sort of who we became, I like to focus on how they became, who they became. 
what would you say is a one sort of defining moment or one time in your life when you can remember everything now makes sense and I either understand who I am or why I am? Is there a time when you can sort of the light bulb came on and things became clearer in your life? I would say one of, I don't, I wouldn't say that there's been one exact moment, but there's been series of events that one of them was, I got a text from a friend probably about three weeks ago. And she just, and it was around 2 a.m. She's like, I'm so sorry for texting you at 2 a.m. But I just, this just dawned on me. You helped me discover my purpose. And I was like, and I, I was like, well, what, you know, can you give me more information? And she said, the questions you asked, the conversations we had, you helped me discover my purpose and get clear on it. I thought it was one thing. But now I am for sure it's this thing. It was like at two o'clock in the morning and it made my heart, I feel like it made my heart smile. I was like, who is she texting me at two o'clock? What's going on? Um, And it just made me feel like, okay, this is that, that seeing the greatness in people, that seeing what other people don't see, that taking the blinders off for people. That's your thing. That's your gift. That's your talent. Wow, that's, that's powerful, powerful stuff. And it's great that you can share that with your inner circle and also the world. So Raven, thank you for joining me today. It's really been good to have this conversation, get to know you better and allow you the platform to share your knowledge. So what is the best way, Raven, for people to get hold of you? Sure. So the best way to connect with me is my LinkedIn. So I'm Raven M. Harris on LinkedIn or visit my website, which is activatethedream.com. And I do love that, activatethedream.com. That's good. If if that's not been trademarked, make sure you do that because that is a great, great um, slogan. So, well, Raven, thank you for joining me on the Who Became podcast. Thank you for joining the Who I Became podcast. To help spread this inspiring story, be sure to share it with your friends, hit the like button, and of course, subscribe to our channel so you won't miss out on any future episodes. We'd also love to hear how this story impacted you. So leave us a comment on whatever platform you're watching us from. To learn more about this episode, our guests, or Simon, head over to simonosimo slash podcast and sign up to receive the latest information delivered straight to your inbox. Once again, thank you for joining us for the Who I Became podcast.